Good evening, good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to this episode of the Path 5 Podcast. We are kicking off episode 12, I believe, in season 4. Which is pretty crazy. Uh, But so is the world, and it's given us plenty of content over the past couple years that has been uh, increasingly connected and increasingly relevant your daily life and uh, unfortunately we're seeing a continuation of that in the Middle East right now and we've purposely held off recording we we had a team event last weekend majority of us were able to fly in and meet up and and conduct some some great training together Uh, nice range time nice hike Above all else, I want to highlight something for you, you know, before we get kicked off. There's just really nice feeling that intense sense of community and being around people that actually care about you. So we, we definitely implore you to engage in those types of uh, activities because, you know, the, the world is a heavy place. It, it, it is indeed quite weighted uh, especially these days there's a lot going on that you can feel negative or or down about but there's also a lot of a lot of things that you can enjoy and have fun while doing and uh honestly get out and hike grab a buddy head to the mountains the desert the swamp whatever you've got around you where you're uh probably not going to run into anybody else and just walk and, and see where that adventure takes you. Bring plenty of water and all that. But anyhow. <clears throat> all right. Now to balance out that utopian ideal <laughs> with our current reality here. Um, <laughs> yeah, we digress from the non-utopian semi-dystopia and bring you back to reality. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, tonight we've got... Uh, Myself, we've got Bronial, and we have Da Vinci. And it's going on. The episode. It's it is definitely going, going on. on. It is constantly popping off. Uh, and of course, it's a me, Da Vinci. Bush. Yeah, we've been beating around the bush like Boomer out trying to flush a grouse, but we're talking about Israel. We're talking about Israel and, uh, and Hamas. And I want to. <clears throat> I guess I want to hit a couple of really key principles while we go over this podcast. And the first of which is that any conflict, and we've seen this as a result of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, as well as this current action, uh, actions in Nagorno-Barak, all over the world, that misinformation is rampant. And uh, by no means are we advocating for the regulation of that, right? Because we don't believe anyone should be the judge of that. And and that was definitely showcased in the uh, most recent presidential election uh, with collusion between the FBI and Facebook. That is now well known and accepted. Though <laughs> so misinformation is, is rampant. So it is really hard to discern exactly who is doing what and why. So keep that in mind, that a lot of the things that you're seeing 
are being published by the same media that had key objectives during COVID, uh, during the fall of Kabul. You know, there, there's all kinds of diversions out there. Um, so, so do keep that in mind. But it also emphasized the importance of having an armed civilian population. Anybody who stands before you at this point in time, after seeing the Russian invasion of Ukraine, the government's response to that, which was arming its civilian population, Israel's response to the recent attacks conducted on the 7th by Hamas. I mean, you can't let anybody tell you that you don't need an AR, that you don't need tactical capability because at that point they're just leading you to a potential slaughter and we've been we've been a little more coy about it we haven't quite come out in the open you know that much on this topic because we felt it was obvious but apparently it's still not and that that needs to be understood and appreciated um so that that's a key point um but the overarching issue here, in, in the team's opinion, is that we are engaged in this historical cycle of trauma that just keeps, keeps coming around the bend. It's like, well, I don't like your tribe. Well, why don't you like my tribe? Well, your tribe killed my father. And it's like, okay, well, my tribe killed your father because your father had killed my cousin. And then all of a sudden, you're back hundreds of years, and people are just killing each other and not taking the time to enjoy life in Florida. And that's what we're seeing in the Middle East. It's, it's a deep, highly historical, emotional, religious-fueled clash. And I don't think that the complexity of this situation is being wholeheartedly um, embraced by the information that people are getting. Yeah, and, and to add on to that, it definitely has its roots there. Um, but I also don't necessarily blame Hamas for kind of lashing out. You know, not to jump topics here, but look, Gaza is not really the uh, the best spot to be. I mean, it's been described as an open-air prison for years. They're treated as second or even third-class citizens um, in the eyes of, you know, the IDF or just, from what I understand, everyday citizens of Israel. Um, I mean, look, we think we got it bad with with the police state over here, but one in five military-age males are detained by Israeli security forces at once, at least once in their life. Like, that's... Yeah, we're 20%. not percent. Like that is an absurd number. And and that's a great point, Bronil, and I want to focus in on a, a key word there, which was detained. Not not questioned, not interacted with, like detained, arrested, taken in for Yeah. At some questioning point and probably getting forcibly booked. stopped from being able to freely walk. So if, right. if I was in a cage and they kept poking the bear and poking the bear and there's guys that I don't necessarily agree with who are 
you know, lobbing rockets at Tel Aviv or, or whatever they may be doing. I'll start to understand their position after I get roughed up by IDF on a Thursday. I'm going to be a lot more likely to talk to the people that have been throwing rockets all week, you know? And it just sows that hate and discontent, and it just continues, and the cycle continues, and so on and so forth. Exactly. Right. Yeah, for sure. And I think that's a good point to bring up is, you know, not to humanize terrorist actions, right? Like there's no support for that on this team. But at the same time, we are trying in general in this podcast to give you guys some perspective outside yourself and outside of Am I still too loud? All right, good. So I had a little extra gain there. <laughs> excited about it. It's a it's a it's a hot topic. So so we're uh, we're getting into it. But the whole point of this podcast is to give you guys a perspective that is outside of what the mainstream media is trying to spoon feed you, right? So if you're watching one side, it's oh the Palestinian, the PLO you know, Hamas, not necessarily Hamas, because nobody in the mainstream media is going to get behind that, uh, which is why Broniel is bringing up the point to give you another perspective. Same thing from the IDF or the Israeli side. Like we're trying to give you guys an unbiased, obviously we all have our own personal biases, right? But we're trying to give you a big picture look at what this looks like. So, I mean, it, it's, I'm sure most of you have seen either one or two <laughs> of the Wolverines movies, right? The uh the Red Dawn. Yeah. Right? So Wolverines. Yeah, Wolverines. If you saw the original, that's the better one. If you saw the one with Chris Hemsworth, he's hotter. Whatever. Yeah, it you all know. balances. But if you if someone drops into your neighborhood, which is what happened, you know, obviously there's a lot of history there that we can get into, but somebody drops into your neighborhood circa nineteen forty eight. And just says, hey, this is our ancestral homeland. We own this. Say uh, China drops into your backyard in California or the Canadians come into uh, Maine and just say, yeah, this is ours now. And you have this tiny little section. Same thing we did to the indigenous people of this country when we migrated west. Right. So. We have exactly. these. We have these second and third order effects of like everybody's trying to go back and claim their historical right to defend the homeland. Yada yada yada. It's like, well, the Canaanites were there way before the Israelites were. If you go way back, like two thousand BC plus, which we're not going to do that on this podcast. If you guys want us to, say it in the comments. Yeah, we I mean, can, we, we can, are all we about can, anthropology. Yeah, we can mess around with that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But my point is, there's a lot of history behind all of these different conquests throughout history. I mean, it's double entendre. I'm using history twice in that sense. But the point is, there's a whole lot that goes into what these different people groups are trying to do to each other. So I think Broniel brought up a really good point to bring it back to the Hamas thing. Like, you're essentially being bullied by someone who came in, they bought a certain small percentage of your land, like it's less than 10%, I think that was bought legally before 
all of the agreements that happened after World War II to say, yep, this is, uh, you know, the ancestral homeland of Judea. And that's where the, that's where we should put the Jews. We'll, we'll give them their land back. They got screwed in World War II. You know, the Nazis didn't do them any favors. So yeah, we'll just put them back there. And the Palestinians who are living there and have been living there for hundreds, if not thousands of years, right? Yeah. I mean, they're like, what the you, fuck, man? These yeah, are like, my olive trees. Right. So you like you translate that. My dad's a little bit of a Hebrew and Greek historian, so it trickles down to me. Uh, I guess that goes along with my call sign. Um, so yeah, if you yeah. look at Palestine and Palestinian, and then you look at some of the Old Testament verses in the Bible, what are some of the main enemies in some of the biggest Bible stories in history? The Philistines. What does Palestinian and Palestine translate to in both Arabic and Hebrew? Philistina, Philistina, Philistinia. Like, depending on your translation, the Palestinians are the Philistines where Goliath came from. So there's like, like Midas said in the intro, a deep-seated genetic historical kind of animosity between these two peoples. Oh, hell yeah. And when, Absolutely. And when, you know, the Romans kind of came in, screwed things up around the turn of the AD BC thing, right? Christianity started and then stuff got all kinds out of whack from the religious aspect. And then you have oh, yeah. Jews kind of all over Europe. I'm just brief kind of history summary. There's still Jews living there. There's still Muslims living there, which didn't really happen until a couple hundred years later, right? With uh, Muhammad, peace be upon him, right? And like the the shift from a, I guess, ideological standpoint, the religious hatred didn't really start until much later after the time of Jesus Christ and Rome and all that. Yeah, there, there was, was not a, a fuel was a, on that fire. Right. Like it wasn't that a huge concentration of, yeah, of Jews in that area anymore. Right. They'd kind of been dispersed throughout the world. A lot of them had become Christians through Roman influence because they obviously became Christian. And so we kind of had a break from the Old Testament Jews versus all of the pagans and non believers for several hundred years. Then it starts, it kind of starts coming back during the Ottoman empire in the 15, 16, 1700s. And then you start getting Jews coming back from Europe into the Levant. And then things start getting a little tense, right? Like these Palestinians and other peoples that have been living there are like, okay, well, these, these are just people of a different religion that are coming back. They're buying farmland legally. They're immigrating. They're, for the most part, coexisting in a, yeah. in a society. Everything's kosher for right. now. <laughs> <laughs> solid, solid. I got to go get some water. That was a good one. <laughs> that was good. Yeah. Get some matzo balls while you're at it. But you get this these these people groups right that are coexisting fairly 
amicably. And then you start to see the results of World War One, more emigration from Europe back to, you know, what's considered by many Jews to be the homeland, the ancestral homeland, the, the promised land of their people. And that starts to create a little bit of friction in the early 20th century with some of the Arab nations in the area, you know, cause you've got, you know, the Jordanians, um, the Egyptians, the Iraqis, um, the Syrians, you know, so you've got a lot of different peoples that are sort of starting to feel the effects of the emigration from Europe and other places back to the Levant of these Jews in the early 20th century. And to kind of make a really long story still long, um, (laughs) you eventually get to a point, you know, there's a lot that I'm not talking about, so I apologize, but eventually you get to, and we're not even talking about the British and that whole mess, right? That affected everywhere in the Middle East. Oh, absolutely. Um, but eventually you get to 1948, post-World War II, post-Holocaust. And, you know, essentially the world says, yep, uh, you guys got screwed. A lot of people died. We're really sorry. And here is Israel. Make yourself a country. And to be fair, <laughs> Israel didn't get a ton of help with that. You know, they got some U.S. aid. They got a little bit of aid from the newly established, uh, you know, what would become the U.N. and NATO, right, in establishing that foothold on the banks of the Mediterranean. But they essentially got thrown in and said, hey, this is your place. Here's some areas, which is same thing that the United States did. Going back to that, there was some reservations, if you will, of Palestinian land. And then a few wars happened. Uh, Israel basically kicked everybody's ass and they continued to take more territory throughout the 50s, 60s, and 70s uh, every time that that happened. So yeah, all of that to give your sentence about <laughs> your statement about Hamas lashing out some context that it's it's not necessarily unjustified lashing out. Yeah, exactly. And that, you know, as you said, you know, it's good to take the totality of of the information that you have in front of you and kind of make an informed, not necessarily decision, but just an informed thought process where you're taking things like that into consideration. I mean, when we're talking about the 70s, I think it was 76 is when they really started making a lot of the things that we know today what they are today um and one of those things was control of the water supply i mean there are ground wells don't get me wrong but there was a military order that stated that palestinians could not construct any new water installation without first obtaining a permit from the israeli army i don't even tell my town when i build stuff on my property can you imagine i mean i'm i live in vermont can you imagine if I had to ask the Canadians if I could drill a well on my own property, property that I've owned 
property that someone's family is owned like that would that would piss me right off so when the when the media is talking about like oh yeah they shut off their water supply they literally have the power to shut off another somewhat sovereign nation their water supply it's it's just kind of wild i'm not saying that palestine's right i'm not saying that israel's right i'm just saying there's a lot a lot of good stuff there yeah and i and i see this through uh i guess a, a bigger lens right i i look across the entire world and i just see so many groups of people that have wronged each other in so many different ways so many times to the point where like every nation every group of people can raise their hand and say that they have been attacked or you know lied to or treated like dirt at some point in their history by another group of people and all that does is just keeps the trauma flowing so I think that this is a it's a really good example where you can understand the plights of both groups that are involved. You know, there's I believe there's a point in Israel where they're they're not even ten miles across. And they're pinned in by nations that have all previously attacked them. Um, even simultaneously. Right? The six day war, um, Yom Kippur War. Like there was, there's numerous attempts to wipe this country off the face of the earth. So if you're an Israeli, you're also going to be pretty defensive. You know, objectively, right? You're gonna you're gonna have to walk around with a chip on your shoulder because yeah, pretty much prison rules for you. Right. Yeah. There's no there's no local support there. Right. Yeah. Yeah, it would be the same as if Texas was, uh, you know, its own thing and we were all kind of ganging up on them. Or if you live in California and the rest of the country just sort of all of a sudden decided they didn't like you, which I think most people probably have. But, um, you know, it would be it would be similar to that where you're you're kind of on an island. So we're just trying to present both perspectives here where yeah, the Palestinians, have they been wronged? Absolutely. Have, have the Israelis? Absolutely. You know, but that goes back to what Midas is talking about at the beginning of this episode, which is we're talking about cyclical cultural trauma and your ability to be in a place of power. And, you know, if we talk about uncle Ben, right with great power comes great responsibility. It's a cliche, but if you really think about it, if you're the big kid growing up and you become the bully, who is there to protect the other kids versus if you're the big kid or the strong kid or the smart kid growing up and you have the ability to look out for those other kids and you do that effectively, even if somebody punches you in the mouth and you decide nope or they call you a bully or they or or they call you a wimp or 
you know, whatever, and you're the one who could be the bully, but you make that conscious decision to be kind to your fellow human beings, have some empathy. It goes a long way. And that's a very small microcosm of what we're looking at, right? But if you expand that across the 8 billion people living on this little blue rock, you know, what does that come to? It comes to a lot better place than we're living in right now. It's a lot better place than we're living in right now. It does. And it's for free too. you know, just showing somebody empathy doesn't really cost you anything. I know, especially looking at our, our veteran listeners, first responders, all you folks that have served your communities, especially if you carry a gun, you know, it's, it's heavy, you know, it's really heavy. And yeah, there's a lot of weight on that hip. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes, literally, you know. Yeah, a lot of weight on the hip and on the heart, you know. Yeah, because at the, at the you, end of the day, you're not you're not trained to exercise empathy either, right? Like you're you're trained in the mechanical parts of your task, right? For the most part, right. Which is, you know, you you could call it a failure in the system, but. It's also a failure in the in the community and the culture and the in the parenting style, whatever you whatever you want to call it, you know. Because I think empathy is is sometimes one of the most important things that uh, that you can have. You know, it's <clears throat> it's essential to <laughs> humanity, and yeah. we we've just been so blocked by social media, mass media to just be like, nope, that person believes something different than me. I can't have any empathy towards them because that's wrong based on my political or ideological or spiritual stance in life. And that's crazy. Yeah, it's wild. And that's why the Industrial Revolution and its consequences have been horrible for humanity. Rest in peace, Uncle Ted. Um, yeah, yeah. But but here's the thing. Here's here's my point. Now, I believe that there has been enough trauma, we'll say, in the earth to produce, like, even if the trauma, everybody agreed to stop it right now, right? Clean slate. Everybody said, yeah, no problem. People have tried that in the past, and they've been assassinated by hardliners on their own side. Uh, You know, Egypt, most famously, right? Yep. Sadat, you Mm -hmm. know, it's been tried before. So, So then, here's where my mind goes. I say, I'm going to go with a stoic demeanor here. I'm saying, look, that all that shit, I can't control it. I'm not there. I'm not trying to take over someone else's olive groves because I read something from thousands of years ago that said it was mine. <laughs> like, 
I can't. I don't know. It, it, it's really hard to get get behind all that, right? Or even begin to understand it. So it stresses you out, but it's out of your control. So at this point, I would invite you to start looking at your own world, thinking about what you could control, because there's a lot of Israelis that were alive on October 6th that did not make it to October 8th because they were relying on protection from somebody else. That protection wasn't there. And they possess one of the most robust intelligence gathering services on this planet to a fault. They will do anything to get that intel. Oh, God, yeah. That's like the whole... Like inside joke about Mossad is just that they are the hardest charging, the oh, most yeah. ridiculous and over the top and efficient and effective. Right. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, you're trying to tell me that all these people were just slaughtered because they believed that someone else was going to look out for them. And it's like, holy crap, people, like, open your your eyes, look around at the world. You knowingly are miles away from people that have announced for valid reasons, as the team has discussed, that they want to wipe you from the earth. And it's like, come on, man, like, get your head on straight. And I don't want to do the whole blame the victim thing here, but I guarantee you that in retrospect, changes would have been made. And there was evidence that there were families that had weapons that held their own. Uh, That one couple, unfortunately, they were allegedly, right? I don't know. I wasn't there. Maybe this is information warfare at its finest, but. Uh, allegedly, a, a couple that had guns killed seven Hamas attackers that were basically trying to get into their house before they were killed. Yeah, That's insane. But but then if you think about it, if you multiplied that by ten across that town, they probably would have been all right. Would have at least you know, held the town for longer. Yeah. So it's it's time for people to pull their heads out of their asses to quit focusing solely on school shootings and understand that that is a mental issue that we have to address as a nation while still maintaining the capability to defend ourselves. Well, I think, you know, if if taking that that approach that's kind of heavy on empathy... I think that would solve the the problem of school shootings right there. You know, if we show everyone a little <laughs> bit more love and, and we're all a little yeah. bit more understanding, not to get too hippy-dippy on everyone, but, you know, you take the time to get to get to know the kid that's sitting next to you, get to know their name and, and what they're about. I think it will go a long way. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think, and the, and the, the fact that we, I'm going to call you out a little bit on the hippy-dippy comment. 
the fact that we feel like we need to say not to be a little hippy dippy and to talk about empathy is that is exactly one of the things that we need to be focusing on. That is no longer a hippy dippy thing. You know, it might've been in the seventies, in the eighties, you know, back in the day when our folks or our folks, folks were growing up. Like we know now that there is real like chemical and neurological things in the brain Mm -hmm. that affect how you interact with the world. And to have a little bit of empathy. And if, if there's a kid sitting in the lunchroom or somebody at work that doesn't have a lot of friends or you don't see them eating lunch with people or they don't interact around the office, like bro Neil saying, like those are the people, if you're listening to this podcast, I hope that you would reach out to them, sit down, have lunch, ask about their family. What are their hobbies? Like I shoot guns, but I'm also a star Wars nerd. Like I feel like I try to, empathize on but maybe i went a little too far with my empathy and now i'm a huge nerd like but the (laughs) fact that i even just now i'm I'm catching myself saying it i went too far like no i like star wars i don't have to i don't have to apologize yeah we don't have to apologize for it we don't have to apologize for our empathy in this world and we feel like as manly men we have to say i love you man no homo but we don't we don't have to say that we can just say i love you in a caring way. And I, I care about you. I care about your family and I love you. And everybody in this team does that. And if more people did that, what a great place, you know, this world could possibly be. Yeah. And I, I saw absolutely. Yeah. I saw briefly the interview. I think I've probably mentioned it before with Ian McKellen and he's talking about his Manchester growing up and he's like if you are lucky enough to Ian McKellen for those of you guys who don't know because I'm a nerd plays Gandalf Lord of the Rings he talks about growing up in Manchester and he's like and you go to Manchester and you get in a cab you take the train and you get in the cab it's most likely a man might be a woman but it's probably a man and they say where to love and he's like what a world it would be instead of worrying about what your race is, what your gender is, what your, you know, pronouns are. If another man can call another man love when they get in their taxi and ask <laughs> where you're going to, if everybody just called everybody love, what a different world it would be. And I think that's a beautiful statement that he, that he made on, uh, on a podcast that I listened yeah. to. I mean, it's, that's awesome, but it's, just it's going back to the empathy, empathy thing. Yeah. And, and here's the thing, the, the fact that we even feel the need to, I don't know, like, not apologize for applying empathy, but, you know, just employing it, kind of feeling like we have to justify it, you know, is, is amusing to me because I know you guys are both absolute savages, so it's... You know, but only when you need to employ that. Every other time, nicest people in the world. And and that's that's the model to live by. That is the model, guys. If you have ever sure. listened to our podcast or seen our Instagram, 
whatever all these years. Mm -hmm. That's number one. Yeah, exactly. But I'd like to hit on one thing if I can. When you were telling the story about, uh, you know, the armed populace fighting back, you mentioned like, ah, you know, I don't know. Because there is so much misinformation from state-sponsored or even quote-unquote, you know, real-life local journalists. There's a good deal of conflicting stories coming out, whether it's the... The people burned in the original attack or the attack on the hospital and, you know, who's to blame for that. Even now, there's um, a couple of days ago, I think it was like the 18th or the 16th um, of October, that is. There was a video on Instagram claiming that um, Iron Beam had taken down the first incoming rockets with 100% success rate. And then the IDF was like, nope, Iron Beam's not even out yet. Like, nope, that was our normal Iron Dome. That wasn't Iron Beam. But, like, people ran with it. And they ran, they reposted it without, mm-hmm. you know, any context. And it was just lens flare right. of, the, of the incoming getting blown up by Iron Dome. It was just the lens flare of the explosion that made it look like right. a beam was going through it. And it's, like, kind of wild to see in real time. And we, we saw it with Ukraine, too. And we're, we're going to continue to see it with Ukraine. But the, the misinformation and just whether it's yeah an, an intel op or whether it's just bad reporting is insane yeah and that's i think that's a really good point going back to what we what we talked about initially about misinformation right and i think this is a really good time to bring it up is you look at the american corporate landscape and we're going to we're going to get back to levant in a minute but the American corporate landscape, when you talk about misinformation, and this is everywhere, right? But you look at companies like BlackRock, Vanguard, and these huge companies. And if you're in the corporate space at all, I would hope that you know about these companies. If you're in the real estate space at all, if you're in the media space at all, and coincidentally, oh, yeah. if you're in the defense industry at all, weird that you should probably know about these guys because- so this is this is a couple years old report that I'm pulling from, but so uh, BlackRock and Vanguard hold large shares in all of the world's like mainstream media outlets: Warner, Disney, Comcast, News Corp, and these are companies that you know uh, their subsidiaries own: CNN, MSNBC, Fox News. You know, you pick, take your pick. They also own combined 39, this is as of two years ago, I'm sure it's more now, 39 million shares just of Lockheed Martin. So if you're listening to media that is majority, I don't know if it's majority owned, but there's significant ownership by companies that also own significant ownership of defense companies. Why do you think we keep getting involved? in conflicts all over the world. Oh yeah. Pre to be made. Precisely. Especially like, with the economy where it is right now. Yeah. Right. And what are we doing? Exactly. What are we doing? Two carrier groups. Two right. carrier and a mu. Right. Yep. For Christ's sakes. Like Israel has proven Our, time and time again they can defend themselves, right? Why are we that, getting involved yeah, in that? Yeah, yeah. We even go as far as to fund it. 
Right. Exactly. You, we just, are you kidding I, me? I think, I think what was it? Uh, $105 billion aid package. Why not? Approved uh, the other week. Yeah. Why not? Or earlier At this, this point, week. It's all funny it's all money anyhow. Yeah. It's all fiat. It's just one to bring back the gold standard, but no, like just, yeah. Bringing it back to the current conflict we're in, like, that's a great point. Like why, why are two carrier groups right there? Why? We're putting that hardware in danger because maybe it might get destroyed and we might have to make more of it. Why are we sensationalizing it on media everywhere? Both sides of the story. These companies own both sides of the narrative. And the industrial base that produces all the stuff that gets blown up or sold to other countries based on the media fiasco that is created. And what do we talk about on this team? Second, third, fourth, fifth order effects. Like, guys, most everybody is playing checkers. These guys are playing whatever that Chinese game is that nobody understands. Or is it the Japanese one? Uh, see, I don't even understand which country it comes from. So, I, <laughs> perfect, perfect example, right? I was about to say Mahjong, but I love Mahjong. Expert level that's required. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, they're playing yeah. a combination of uh, you know chess and uh, snooker and whatever. What Midas? What's that new game that you like? Uh, begins with uh, a P. Crokinole. Crokinole. Oh no, it begins with a definitely not a P. That's all right though. We're gonna keep rolling. No, that's that's Pokemon. But that that's a game that these guys are they're totally. playing a combo of all these different games, and they're playing it with IDF, Palestinians, yeah, U.S. military. Those guys are risk troops to them on a board. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't exactly. open your eyes and realize that, like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what we're doing here today. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Throughout history, and I'll I'll probably leave you with with this. Um, well, now we might have more to talk about, but throughout yeah, history, yeah, we might have a little more. There have always been groups of people that controlled the narrative. Right. This isn't uh, a new thing. We, we've even all been taught this core saying, which is what history is written by the victor, right? I think we were, we're even taught this, but we still just disregard it. Accept what we're taught as fact, when in reality, it's been, it's been tailored. Oh, absolutely. And I think that's and, a perfect way to put it. Tailored. Yeah, and it's it, in that sense, it's nothing new. But I feel like with the advent of of real accessible technology, we've just seen a huge acceleration in the wrong. Look, guys, I'm going to tap back into that that stoicism we we mentioned earlier. None of those things are probably in your control, unless you're a BlackRock executive in this. <laughs> then it quite literally is in your control. Right. But other yeah. than that, congratulations, you're a douchebag. Um, but yeah, other than that, I think at the end of the day, focus on what you can't control. Right. Maintain that readiness. 
know, you got to take your own responsibility into your own hands when it comes to what you're following, what you're not following, who you're listening to, but just I would highly, highly encourage you to remember that your safety is your responsibility. Without a doubt. Without a doubt. I mean, I I think it's my one of my number top top five priorities is uh my own security, whether that's physical or you know, supply chain. But I'd like to do more below geospatial or yeah. <laughs> yeah, currently. Um, I have many I have many priorities. You know, I'd, sometimes personal security is it, it's in my top yeah, fifty ish. I let other people worry about that. They tell me my priorities. They tell me all the time I have the best priorities. <laughs> the experts say. Um, but I'd anyway, like to back do a to little, your priorities. Yeah, I'd like to do a little Path Five tradition where we uh, we take a look at what's in front of us and and you know what the BlackRock sponsored media has told us, and we try and uh, make a little bit of a prediction about the second and third order effects of possibly continued assistance in the region what if that uh those two carriers turn into a little bit more than just carrier <laughs> uh, i was just gonna ask i was like where's the sound effects oh i'm so <laughs> glad you hit that that's perfect i was gonna so, say dur, 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 dur. <laughs> yeah, where do, where do we were... think this is going do we see you know other countries getting in the fold if we continue to be there do we see maybe a Gulf of Tonkin-esque thing that will pull us in because we've already seen fire coming over the ships and the ships intercepting fire. So they yeah. left that land. We're going to have right. some duty to act. I, I, I think, uh, you know, the, the, the one thing that, for some reason is not really being talked about in the media, right? Is the overt threats made by Iran. That is, I, I wouldn't even call that a second or third order effect. That's a first order effect. And nobody's even talking about it. Right. Yeah. Like, like that could very well be tomorrow's problem. Not 10 right. years from now is problem. Right. Yeah. The, the yeah. Iranian foreign defense i don't know if it's foreign defense or foreign minister i don't know if it's the equivalent of like the cia director or the uh you know secretary of state but yeah, you, you guys secretary can of state, basically. yeah but that's you guys can look this up on twitter x you know whatever uh whatever you want but he's put out there that they will take preemptive action in the region and what do you think caused that? Well, do you think it was a little bit of rocket fire back and forth between Palestinians? Eh, might have been the two carrier groups that showed up off the coast. I don't know. I'm just speculating. Yeah, it seems uh, more likely to me. Right. But <laughs> like that's a, that's a great, I, I guess you could call it a second order effect because we're not there to do, uh, as far as we know, uh, have anything to do with Iran. Right. But the Persians well, are proud people. You know, go ahead. The the funny thing, and, and I'm gonna highlight some of the hypocrisy from like the ultra conservatives, right? Just a little bit, because I saw a lot of like instantaneous blame pointed at Biden saying, Oh, they took the three billion dollars or whatever the hell we gave them 
they used it for this attack, full well knowing that it took years to facilitate everything that was fired in the first 24 hours alone. Yeah, it's not like they were like, ooh, that finally hit the yeah, account. Amazon Let's go, two day boys. Prime? Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> like, Damn, their check did clear. Like, <laughs> come on. Yeah, yeah. Oh, they're having a sale on Katusha's. Like, no, I mean, like, it's. And that that's the thing. It's like, guys, come on. Like, are there facilitations? Yeah. Have the IRGC been advising our enemies for years? Yeah. But then again, why are some of these people our enemies to begin with? Right. And that's Absolutely. And, and, now, and now, as we currently sit today, October 23rd, you have U.S. envoys, including President Biden, going to Israel, trying to advocate to get aid into Gaza for the remaining Palestinians that are there because the Israelis tell them to leave, but they can't fucking go anywhere because the Egyptians don't want them. Like, we are putting ourselves in a very precarious position diplomatically even to the point where we we have we have the controls now according to the islamic world and and because of that there's already been backlash you know there's been several embassies that have been attacked all over the world uh there's u.s military bases that are being attacked right now in syria as a direct result of what's going on. We are being portrayed as the great Satan again. And all that's going to do is perpetuate the cycle of violence. Yep. You got a local PD that's trying to put out a fire and all of a sudden the county PD or fire department rolls in and they're like, "Why, why are you here? You know, but you're trying to put out a fire that you're not needed for. In my opinion, that's not everyone's opinion. That's my opinion. Um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. That's a great point because we're injecting ourselves into a very precarious, precarious situation um, that's causing second, third order effects immediately all yeah. around the uh, all around the area, you know, yeah, and around the world ripples. globally, too. Yeah. Yeah. Our, our 300 meter target is now in her face. Right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And, and I don't know. I just see it as a very easy way to Gulf of Tonkin it. And now we're, you know, getting yeah, the boys back together and point. Yeah, that's a great point. Pushing forward, you know, and that, like, would, oh, that yeah. would also be interesting to see if article five gets right move in and then turkey's getting all bent out of shape because they don't want to be there and there's there's just a lot a lot that mm-hmm. could be happening it's like hey oh, guys yeah. we're yeah. out of the middle east oh just kidding that really hurt our industrial base uh what else is going on yeah yeah honestly, that's what's what hornet's nest can we just put a jackhammer against yeah and let me clarify too you can yeah. You can still be a proud American patriot and not support that shit. 
So let me make that clear, because they are deliberately capitalizing on patriotism and nationalism. That, trust me, we all still have, just for a different time, before Absolutely. it <laughs> got yeah. so freaking corrupt. Right. So and, don't don't get yeah. don't get caught up in the wave. Mm-hmm. Right. No matter how proud you may be to be an American, it's still a great place. But god damn it, it could be so much better, and these are the people that are not allowing it to be better. So it's about time we get our heads on straight. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, I think it's uh it's a weird game and they're playing it in the shadows which is a hard thing to do in this day and age with social media and all this stuff but um it's uh <laughs> it's a weird it's a weird world that we live in and it's influenced by a billion different angles every time you open your phone your ads, all that, all your algorithms that you're associating yourself with on Instagram by what you follow. But, um, you know, it's good that we got my Dysius, the prophesizerus, uh, on the team to help us out. And Bronelius, the calm, calmelius. Uh, I'm just trying to, I'm just spiraling. That was pretty good. That was a good <laughs> no, no, this is good. We're working. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I could picture him sitting on some marble somewhere in a temple. The Da Vincius, the sculpturist. Yeah. Uh, no, but yeah, let's uh let's poop or get off the pot here. Let's make let's our do it. Let's do it. Okay. So we've been making a lot of jokes on the team. About every two or three days I punk these guys with breaking news story that the imminent IDF invasion of Gaza is still imminent. They have completely lost any sense of the initiative. And that is just, dude, if I was an IDF soldier right now, I would be fucking pissed because I know my enemy has been digging in the rubble that we gave them and created for the last week. Right. Like, dude. So my prediction is when the IDF goes in there, I don't think they can do this whole mass wave idea. I think that they lost that chance. I think they're going to have to be a lot more organized. They're going to have to be clearing like by grid. And I think it's going to be a slow and it's going to be a very painful process. And I don't think they're going to get all the way through it without committing some serious. And then that's just going to potentially just open up the whole whole region, but I I don't think that Iran is capable of mounting a full on assault. Right? They've been operating by proxy for so long now, even longer than we have, because we've actually been in direct action. They have not. We're tested. They are not. They are highly limited in their capability, despite being Persian historically could be a clown ship. Yeah. Send other, send other people to fight your battles. Yeah. And that's the saber rattling. I mean, I I still feel like a lot of lives will be lost. I feel like it's going to 
just produced GWAT 2, um, especially with immigration policies all over the world. I mean, like, I, I, I could see that getting ugly uh, domestically in a lot of places. And I think it's just going to unfortunately continue to cycle. And I hate to sound so bleak, but that is simply the world we live in. And I personally feel that as soon as you accept that, then you can start living the right way. So that that's my prediction here, guys. Um, Ronnie, you want to go? You want to? You want me to go? I uh, I'll, I'll hit this one real quick. I'm I'm agreeing with that. Um, unfortunately, I think we're going to get tossed into the fold with a a Tonkin-esque incident. Um, I yeah, who think... had uh, Israel causing World War Three on their uh, 2023 yeah. chaos bingo card? <laughs> it was absolutely not. Even, I, I didn't even write it in, like yeah. on the on the pre card. <laughs> Wasn't even on your pre card. Yeah, your blank. <laughs> yeah, I. Um, so unfortunately, that's the way I see this going. Um, and what I'm most concerned about is not necessarily that action. I'm more concerned about what the temperature will be at home. Um, That's a good point. I think there are a lot of people that have kind of taken this, um, you know, recent time to reflect inwards um, and be a little bit more critical about our nation and our nation's leaders on both sides of the aisle. Um, I think if something like that, you know, a very textbook, oh, whoopsies, guys, we have to go now. Uh, I think that will be met with a great amount of resistance on the home front. Uh, and I don't know if that's going to look like people marching in the street, um, like, you know, anti-war protests that we saw 60 years ago, um, or if that's going to look a little, a little more rough than just some protests. But that's how I see that going. Interesting yeah. take, and yeah. honestly, it sounds incredibly viable. Yeah, unfortunately. Yeah, that's a good take. Um, I think, uh, I think for me, having seen some of the history of the IDF, I don't see them knocking door to door to clean out those rubble piles. I see more of an air raid style offense and it's going to be it's it's there's going to be some serious um collateral damage there's going to be some civilian casualties that have to be dealt with which is i think going to cause the opposite end of the spectrum uh, similar home home field effects to what bro neil what you mentioned um but i think that's probably the direction they're going to go. Just just from a force-on-force perspective, if you look at Israel versus the population of the entire region, right? Uh, if the IGR, uh, IGRC wants to get involved and some other countries want to get involved. IRGC. IRGC, thank you. <laughs> I did that the other day too. Yeah, uh, did. <laughs> IRGC want to get involved. Um you know, Israel does not have the manpower to go knocking door to door, which is going to do one of two things. Either you're going to get the 82nd Airborne knocking door to door uh, with 
the IDF, which is uh, insane. Yeah. Or, in my opinion, more likely because Israel is very much a we can do this shit on our own. We don't need you. Um, is is going to be more of an air raid type? You know, lots of drone strikes, um, lots of uh, fighter close air support. So it, it's going to be it's going to be ugly either way. But I can I can see some pretty strong um, anti semitism type stuff popping up. Yeah, I yeah. guess counterpoint to Bro Neal's. Yeah, I I think you might have been referring to a little bit of that day of jihad that had been mentioned in the last week or two. Yeah, that type of stuff popping up. So uh, either way, um, going back to what we talked about at the beginning, and Midas, I'm sure you'll wrap this up, but have some empathy with your fellow man. And I don't I don't give a shit if your neighbor is is jewish if they're a Hasidic jew if they're messianic jew if they're muslim if they're practicing christian if they're catholic if they're agnostic if they're atheist it does not matter that person is your neighbor is your friend is your family member have some empathy yep honestly because if we all took that on on mass you know i think that's the only way that we could write this shit before it sinks, you know? And when I say ship, you know, I'm referencing the current state of humanity, right? I think that that is literally what's at stake here, not to sound too alarmist and not to get sucked into the, the darkness, right? Because at the end of the day, I can't control it. But I can control my awareness. I can control how I interact with other people. I can control my readiness. Every dimensional meaning of the word. Shooting bill drills, right? Like there's a lot more to readiness. Yeah, I think I think this is also a great opportunity to understand the party system in this country. I think this has exposed a lot of hypocrisy and from both parties and a lot of confusion in their ideals. And I have personally been enjoying that because it's just it shows people that it's not black and white. Like there's there can be another option, right? Like we don't. Yeah, we don't absolutely. have to sacrifice our morality or how we feel about something just to join. And I think it's important. I think we are in a very strange time and it's a great opportunity to critically think and to assess your priorities. That uh, you're squared away. Yeah, great point. So thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hopefully it left you in a, a little bit better mood. You know, it's not all unicorns and rainbows out there, but uh, just use that energy to control what you can. If you're, if you're looking for deals, I know money's probably tight right now. If you're looking for deals on, on things to improve your readiness, you can head on over to Aero Precision or PSA uh, via the link in our Instagram bio. We also have a discount code with Mission First Tactical. 
they are great folks and uh, they produce some really good gear that you can depend on and that we have depended on time and time again. So check out some of those other links. There's some other good folks out there and just try not to get sucked in. You know, anything you're seeing on the on the media from this point on, assume that it's been placed there to suit an agenda. Fortunately, I wish it were organic, but have a good one, folks. Keep your heads up. Keep them on a quilt.